When it's time to seed grass, fertilize turf, or add a pop of color to your yard, Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered with unbeatable deals on lawn and garden essentials. Find value on everything you need in-store or online at farmandfleet.com. So, from farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome and happy Wednesday. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you this morning. We are officially halfway through the week, everybody. Hang in there. Today will be a high of 38 degrees with some sun in the morning and increasing clouds during the afternoon. Tomorrow we have a 30% chance of showers in the morning and then clouds in the afternoon with a high of 46. Friday we have intervals of clouds and sunshine with a high of 36. Stu Muck, our ag meteorologist, has more weather details coming your way a little later. Coming up, we hear from Mike Strands, Vice President of Advocacy for the National Farmers Union on the upcoming 2023 Farm Bill. I get the inside look into geopolitics and agriculture from Jacob Shapiro, Director of Geopolitical Analysis with Cognitive Investments. Also coming up, we have a Steffes Group update from Ashley Hewen. These are all things you don't want to miss. Stick around. So I do love to entertain during the holidays, and I'll tell you what, I start my shopping at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Their retail location, corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrun Road in Fitchburg, or open 24 hours a day, seven days a week online, BavariaSausage.com. Now I'll tell you what, if you're just into putting out dip and chips for entertainment, I understand, but boy, if you want to take it up a notch, visit with Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. That charcuterie board that you're putting together will come alive with flavor. The old world flavor featured at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen in all of their meat. They've got all those aged cheeses that you want to feature, and I'll tell you what, great conversation starter and wonderful on the tongue, all the authentic old world German chocolates that are available only at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Come on, this holiday season, take it up a notch. Start shopping at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. As we get into 2023, one of the first things that will happen, at least in Washington, is the swearing-in of the new Congress, meaning the House will now be under control of Republicans. And what does that mean for a 2023 farm bill? Will we get one? What will it look like? Bob Bosel here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. And Charity, you had a chance to talk to somebody that's uh, in the fray, so to speak, in Washington about a possible new farm bill. What'd you find out? That's right, Bob. And what people may not realize is the farm bill governs many different areas related to agriculture, including income support, food system, trade, conservation, and so much more. I'm Charity Seebecker from the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison. We are due for a new farm bill in 2023, and helping to support farmers at this level is Mike Strands, the vice president of advocacy for the National Farmers Union. He shares more about who the key negotiators are coming up in the farm bill, as well as key issues that he's helping to lobby for. The 2023 Farm Bill is going to be led by the lead Republican and lead Democrat on both the House and Senate Agriculture Committees. So in the Senate, the chairwoman is almost certainly going to be Debbie Stabenow. This will be her third Farm Bill in a leadership role. She's from Michigan. On the Republican side in the Senate, John Bozeman from Arkansas will be the ranking member, likely. Meanwhile, on the House side, there's been a little bit of a change with uh, Congressman Glenn G.T. Thompson from Pennsylvania has been selected as the chairman for the coming 
Congress. This is after Republicans took control of the House. And then the likely ranking member of the House Agriculture Committee, so the top Democrat, is expected to be David Scott from Georgia. So those four will be the lead negotiators. Of course, there's plenty of dozens of members of the House and Senate Agriculture Committees who will play a big role in all of this. And depending on the issue, some senators or some members of Congress will rise up to the top to be part of the negotiations there. I'm expecting we'll hear a lot from Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey, Senator Amy Klobuchar, and Senator Tina Smith, both from Minnesota, play a big role. Chuck Grassley, senator from Iowa, does as well. So there's going to be people that step up here and there in the farm bill process, and uh, there's going to be plenty of ways to negotiate and push ahead. So the one thing I noticed as you were listing off these names, none of them are from Wisconsin. So what is Wisconsin's influence for the 2023 farm bill? At the moment, and this could change, but there aren't any members of the House or Senate Agriculture Committees from Wisconsin. However, two members of the Wisconsin delegation play some pretty important roles. Senator Tammy Baldwin is the chair of the Senate Appropriations Subcommittee on Agriculture. So when it comes to funding programs that are subject to appropriations, Senator Baldwin controls that. That's a huge job and gives a lot of influence to Wisconsin. Similarly, Congressman Mark Pocan from the Madison area is uh, the third ranking Democrat on the House Appropriations Subcommittee for Agriculture. So there's some ways to speak up there. And of course, even if members aren't on the committees that consider the Farm Bill, they've got friends who do and they can make connections that way. So Wisconsin still has a good, strong influence on farm bill policies. Now let's go into the baseline trends. Can you talk about what those are and the trends you have seen over the years from past farm bills to the 2023 farm bill? So when we're talking about the farm bill and baseline, what we're talking about is the funding. And a change in baseline funding means either an increase or a decrease from what the bill would cost if it was reauthorized as is for 10 years. So any changes uh, to funding is the baseline that we're considering here. Over the years, farm bills have had more baseline, they've had less baseline, or they've had the same amount. I'm expecting, and I, I think a lot of observers in Washington would say that the next farm bill is likely to have the same or less baseline than the current one. That seems to be due to the spending that's gone on in the last couple of years, that Congress might not be in the mood to do more big spending packages like that. So it sounds like we'll have an even or a decreased baseline for the 2023 Farm Bill. What are the Farm Bill priorities moving forward of Wisconsin Farmers Union, National Farmers Union, but other ag organizations as well? How do those positions compare? This is the time in the Farm Bill process where there's lots of organizational statements about what needs to get done, what the priorities are for any number of groups. So for National Farmers Union, we've identified four areas of priority. The four topics are adding a competition title to the next Farm Bill so that markets can be fair and competitive for farmers and another is to improve the farm safety net for family farmers and ranchers to make sure there's resources there to reflect the changing market realities with higher input costs and things like that. And then there's also a special point in the National Farmers Union priorities on growth management for dairy to make sure that family dairy farms are protected against a market that's increasingly stacked against them. Finally, of our four priorities, the last one is on conservation and climate. With the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act, there was a historic investment in climate programs and conservation programs. We need to build on that in the next farm bill. So those are the 
the four points, but other groups have put out their own priorities as well. We've heard from a lot of other farm groups that want to protect crop insurance and to make sure that there are disaster programs to respond in tough times. We've heard from nutrition groups that want to make sure that the supplemental nutrition assistance program is strong and responsive. Conservation groups, we've heard from rural development entities, you name it, people are sounding off. What big questions need to be answered in order to determine the potential success of the 2023 Farm Bill. Some of the things that remain to be seen is if the Farm Bill will be split. The last two Farm Bills, there has been an effort to break apart the nutrition programs from the farm programs in the Farm Bill. Politically speaking, doing that is a really bad idea because it helps to have more votes. And if you've got farm interests without the backing of nutrition group interests, it's hard to piece together 218 votes in the House and 51 votes in the Senate or 60 votes in the Senate depending on what the circumstances are. It needs to be together. And by building a broader and stronger farm bill coalition, that's how we get it done. A couple other points that we'll need to keep in mind is if there will be enough baseline to go around with all these priorities on disaster assistance or on increasing reference prices in farm safety net programs. And then on climate, with Inflation Reduction Act spending on climate, there's probably going to be an effort to continue that momentum in the farm bill. So how we can include climate priorities will be a big plus. What is happening? with field hearings and preparation for the 2023 Farm Bill, that process so far, as well as then moving forward. And what type of support are you getting from legislature? The chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, Congressman Thompson from Pennsylvania, announced that the first field hearing of 2023 will be in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, uh, the first week of January. So he's picking up right where things have been left off. There have already been probably, well, a few dozen Farm Bill-related hearings over the last couple years, including some big field hearings uh, across the country over the summer. Granted, there will be some new members of the Agriculture Committees and new members of Congress, so they haven't heard this yet. It'll be good to get them up to speed quickly so that the process as far as passing a farm bill can start in earnest in the springtime. What are your next steps now in your role into preparing for the 2023 farm bill and sharing the message? National Farmers Union is a grassroots organization, and NFU takes its lead from the states. That will inform the national policy process that NFU delegates will consider at our national convention the principles identified there will then lead the work that we do in the government relations and advocacy department at NFU and our team of policy experts and lobbyists will be reaching out to Capitol Hill and to USDA and other parts of the administration to make sure that these priorities that individual family farmer members of Farmers Union brought up get to be part of the next farm bill and elsewhere in farm policy. What are your thoughts on changes to the federal milk marketing order and how that is going to play a role into the 2023 Farm Bill? Federal order reform is a big part of what Dairy Together, the effort that Wisconsin Farmers Union members have led on for dairy policy reform and uh, making changes to FFMO work so that prices are more reflective and responsive to market influences while ensuring that independent individual family farmers and dairy could make a living and can do well. So I think there's going to be some priorities in the next Farm Bill platform that relate to pressing the issue on order reform. There's probably also going to be efforts to change the way in which there's referenda that go on in the dairy pricing and policy world. And that's also, of course, on top of the work that Wisconsin Farmers Union has led on growth management in dairy. And uh, hopefully all those together can make some meaningful and lasting changes. What does cattle market transparency 
presidency look like and where is it going? The last two years have been an extremely important and filled with progress, I'd say, when it comes to legislation to bring more transparency and openness into cattle markets, which are becoming increasingly opaque. The Cattle Price Discovery and Transparency Act, that bill represents a lot of progress. Right now, kind of in its last possible time where it might be able to be included in legislative packages that pass yet this year. Even if it doesn't, the next farm bill will be a great time to bring some of these ideas up again. So if we have a more transparent marketplace, independent farmers and ranchers will be able to get a fair price for their cattle. You know, we look at how the markets have changed across the country and with the increase in contract sales and not open markets like we see in the southern Great Plains or in the West. It's a very different marketplace than in the, the upper Great Plains and the, the Midwest here. We need to have that openness. Otherwise, we're going to see cattle markets go the way that pork and poultry markets have. And that, I think we can agree, has not been all good. That was Mike Strands, Vice President of Advocacy for the National Farmers Union. To stay up to date with upcoming hearings and policy discussions, visit nfu.org policy. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Charity Seebecker. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Rural Mutual is the number one farm insurer in Wisconsin for a good reason. As a company founded by farmers, they understand the ag industry and its challenges. Local agents offer farm families the best advice and personalized coverage. Visit RuralMutual.com to find an agent near you. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When it comes to custom jewelry, get to know your Denny's jeweler. The way Denny's works custom is based on emotions and it's based on the clients, what they are feeling and wanting and looking for. And eventually it evolves into this piece of art. I'm Nick Denny. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. Sweet Metal Roofing customers choose us because they don't want to worry about their roof anymore. There's no curling, it won't blow off, and you won't find granules in your gutters. It's one and done. It is the last roof you'll ever need. I'm Mike. And Mary Sweeta. Enjoy the long-lasting architectural strength and beauty of a Sweet Metal Roof. S-W-I-T-A MetalRoofing.com Sweet Metal Roofing, the last roof you'll ever need. Because of you, someone gets to stay home in familiar surroundings. Because of you, there will always be a friendly smile. Because you are the bright star in someone's life. Bright Star Home Care is looking for caregivers and nurses. Bright Star believes working one-on-one with clients in their homes means better care. It's the reason you got into healthcare in the first place. Be the bright star in someone's life. Work with Bright Star. Apply today at brightstarjobs.com. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Welcome back on a Wednesday morning. I'm Charity Seebecker and for Farm Director Pam Youngke. And it is time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with Egg Meteorologist Stu Muck. Stu, I saw that was a 30% chance, I think it was, of rain this week. Is that something to be concerned of? 
Well, there's going to be some rain, yes. I don't know that we need to be concerned unless you're hoping for the snow cover to build up and stick around with us. Because if anything, it's going to help to melt off a little bit of that snow cover we've seen and, and maybe make gravel driveways, side roads a little bit slippery. Other than that, I don't expect it to be a real big system. Let's talk about the mild air that's building in out ahead of strong low pressure. Very strong system out in the West Coast. One ejecting into the central part of the U.S. now with a warm front still southwest of Wisconsin, a cool front out west of the Dakotas. There are some areas of scattered rain in South Dakota, southwest Minnesota, a little snow in western parts of North Dakota, and just north of Minnesota. None of that a big threat for us. I expect today some sunshine and much more mild temperatures. If you notice, we've warmed up in the nighttime and are a lot closer to yesterday's highs and even above those highs of yesterday, so there's only one way to go. We're going to warm up a bit more today, a very mild day indeed. Now snow melts, and we know that's going to happen. That's why we start to talk about some patchy fog, certainly around here for tomorrow. And then, of course, we'll see that low pressure system build in from the west, and that brings about that chance of drizzle or some very light rain. I expect Thursday, midday, or afternoon, some chance of it lasting overnight or into early Friday in the east and south. Not going to amount to much, you know, trace amounts of rain. Could mean slippery spots where snow is packed and things like that. But it should also help to melt and clear up some of the snow accumulation we have on roads, sidewalks, and feedlots, things like that. Not going to be perfect, but our temperatures stay very mild indeed. Well above normal today, tomorrow, Friday, right into the weekend. A little cool down Friday as the weak cool front passes. Don't expect too much. In fact, it stays on the above normal side, upper 30s, maybe even a 40 or so as we start next week and start our way into the next year. I'll have forecast details right after this. So I do love to entertain during the holidays, and I'll tell you what, I start my shopping at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee here for Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Their retail location, corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrone Road in Fitchburg, or open 24 hours a day, seven days a week online, BavariaSausage.com. Now, I'll tell you what, if you're just into putting out dip and chips for entertainment, I understand, but boy, if you want to take it up a notch, visit with Judy and the crew at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. That charcuterie board that you're putting together will come alive with flavor. The old world flavor featured at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen in all of their meat. They've got all those aged cheeses that you want to feature, and I'll tell you what, great conversation starter and wonderful on the tongue, all the authentic old world German chocolates that are available only at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Come on, this holiday season, take it up a notch. Start shopping at Bavaria Sausage Kitchen. Welcome back. It's Charity here with Stu Muck for your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update. So, Stu, how about that weather forecast? Nice one. Partly sunny skies today. A lot of upper 30s to be recorded. South winds will be at 5 to 15, gusting near 30. Still may feel chilly but it is warming up overnight, becoming mostly cloudy. We only drop back into the lower 30s, you know, 34 or so, with winds out of the south, 5 to 15, gusting to 25. More clouds tomorrow, some fog. There may be some drizzle. I'd expect midday or in the afternoon. Temps tomorrow, even up into the near mid-40s, 44 or so, cooler at the cross in the upper 30s. South winds at 5 to 15. That chance of a little drizzle or very light rain lasts overnight or into early Friday. Some fog around as well Friday, partly sunny skies, 
mid-30s with west winds at 5 to 10. I'd expect upper 30s on Saturday, Charity. Maybe a little rain chance Saturday night or early Sunday, but still very mild, low 40s to start next week. Sounds like I can finally probably put on some T-shirts and shorts again and not have to be sleeping in sweatshirts and sweatpants. I'm very okay with that. That was Stu Muck, everybody, our egg weather meteorologist. And that was your Compier Financial Egg Weather Update. Compier Financial, your financial partner committed to agriculture in rural America. Stick around as we have more agribusiness news coming your way that you surely do not want to miss. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. When you need accurate insights to make informed decisions on your dairy, you need Affy Milk. With Affy Milk, you can know what's happening with your cows, when there's a problem, and when used with Affy Farm herd management software, they can even help identify what the problem is, which helps you manage it quicker. From analyzing components to finding sick cows, rely on Affy Milk solutions to help you increase performance and profitability. Learn more at affymilk.com. Experienced electricians come join our team. Here's Dan, a commercial journeyman forever ready electric. Family company, they take care of people, they take care of their workers. There's a lot of benefits to working forever ready, including the fact that when you work on your education, they do reimburse you for that time. They're very good about sick time and very good about family. Competitive wages, great atmosphere, great benefits. Apply at everreadyelectric.net. For all your electrical needs, we are ever ready. Pest control? You've got a guy for that. Car repairs? You probably have a guy for that as well. For someone to custom design a unique piece of jewelry for you, or help your current pieces look sparkling fresh? That needs to be William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Affordable and local. William Thomas Custom Jewelry will help you create a desirable, one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear for years to come. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. Sometimes it's nice to let the kids have their own space downstairs. It's also pretty awesome to expand that basement into usable living space or entertainment area. Actuate Improvement will transform your basement into a livable area everyone can enjoy. Actuate Improvement is a full-service design and remodeling company specializing in kitchens, baths, and basements. Let's get the conversation started with a complimentary estimate, consultation, and suggestions. ActuateLLC.com Design, create, actuate. You wear the same size, you do the same workout, yet her butt is high and tight. And let's face it, she's smoking hot. While you're just another sweaty Betty, what you don't know is while you're putting in extra time grunting it out at the gym, she is relaxing poolside. And why? Because she comes to Carbon World Health for FDA-approved M-Sculpt treatments. Her butt is a work of art because this technology is state-of-the-art. CarbonWorldHealth.com This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood. Windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, 
will provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. You would never overpay for something if you knew you could get the product for much less elsewhere. Much like you wouldn't pay $6 a gallon for gas if the pump down the street was charging the fair market price of $4, would you? So why pay more than MSRP on your next Chevy truck? Bergstrom Chevrolet is a local, family-owned company that values your dollar as much as you do, so you never pay above manufacturer's suggested retail price. And Bergstrom has the inventory to fill your fleet or fix you up with the truck that's going to pull your toys. So go ahead, shop around, and compare that final cost. If the guys down the street are blowing smoke up your tailpipe, jacking up the price on their Chevy trucks stop by Bergstrom Chevrolet where you never get charged over MSRP Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank we make it easy to access the bankers you know bankers who listen to your goals then offer expert advice and solutions that simplify even the most complex financial matters virtually or in person we're here when you need us to learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Is Joe Joe Barry, is he not a you rah rah guy? Why is the DB coach, uh, coach Jerry Gray the one firing everyone at halftime? What's Joe Barry do? My sense is that Joe Barry is a nothing but building you with a confidence guy. Oh, gee, you know... That was a mistake there. Yeah, we didn't like Darnell. He's listen, the good cop. Yeah, Darnell, we love you. We're just not going to start you, if that's okay. You know, he can heal up. He's a nice guy. He's Joe B. They love him. But, no, I don't I – don't, I there's been no sense that Joe B. ever tears into anybody, ever, huh. ever. And maybe that's, you know, after 25 years in the NFL and dealing with professional players and professional egos and attitudes that – he thinks that that's his best mo, or for what you know, maybe he lets somebody else let the head coach be the bad cop or whatever. But Interesting. you know, so, so, I mean, one guy, you know, Josh Moser is a guy that covers Dolphins now. He used to be in Green Bay. I was talking to him over the weekend. He goes, um, "Do you think it, you know that Barry could save his job yet?" I go, "I don't know. I mean, this is an organization, the winningest coach in the history of the franchise. The first three years, thirteen wins, two NFC Championship games trips they make." And they've gone through two defensive coordinators and three special teams guys. So, you know, I don't know how many more coordinators LaFleur gets before he gets bounced. Hey, here's an idea. <laughs> what if Mark, Mark Murphy calls Aaron Rodgers and says, Sean Payton, what if I bring Sean Payton in next year? I think Rodgers would say, do it in a heartbeat now. Should have done it yesterday. Because, you know, Matt LaFleur is learning. He's, he's, he's basically let you know he's still learning. Uh, he's a grinder. He's a smart guy. I think he's improving every year as a coach. But there's things that happen in these games where, I mean, you know, Matt LaFleur is a, is a student, and Sean Payton's a professor of football. Yeah. A professor. I think Sean Payton right now. So, like, you know, when you've got, um, like, the fake punt, 
Okay. <laughs> and and you break that down, and Lafleur is honest, and he admits it. You know that we got the formation we want, just not the personnel. They put their bigs up there, which meant they were going to beat the linebackers and tight ends that they had. You know, next to Jack Coco at center, they didn't have a cancel call on that play. Mm. That's tough. They didn't have that. Donald Levitt could could go. You know, check check. You know. And and just you know let Pat punt the ball. They did not have that check. They were moving on. Or Rasul Douglas, or uh, no, not Rasul. Um, uh, Romeo Dobbs. You know, uh, Keyshawn Nixon. Uh, he he was on the injury report last week, Thursday and Friday. He was limited uh, for two days with that groin. So this is something he's been dealing with. Then he takes back the 94-yarder and one other play, mm-hmm. and then he has to come off because it's bothering him too much. So they put in Romeo back there to return a kick, and wait, he return it from five yards deep in the end zone. And Lafleur said last night, yeah, that won't happen again. <laughs> you know, it's these are little kinds of things. You know, what, what is going on? Mm. So uh, in the meantime, you talk to Rasul Douglas uh, about the big interception he had on the Dolphins' final drive. And that, that was after uh, you guys made a great point, too, uh, about the fact that Jerron Reed, you know, just two minutes left in the first half, and there's uh, Raheem, Raheem Mostert coming up the inside there, and Reed gets his – Jay Reed, is, uh, as Kenny Clark called him, gets that big paw out there, pulls the ball out, and then recovers it, totally flips that game totally flips the momentum of that game. And then the three interceptions come later in the second half. And that just happened by, by the fact that Dean Lowry gets a calf injury. They have to take him out. They have to move Reed out to the five technique where he can actually get in that lane and make that play. If, if Dean Lowry doesn't leave with a calf injury, that thing doesn't happen. You talk to Rasul Douglas because he's, he's straight information. Talked about his big in- interception. And, you know, he's supposed to leave with Tyreek Hill. But he recognized the play, recognized the formation after the ball was snapped and thought, you know what, um, they're going to go for that tight end, Mike Gusecki. This is their first down play. They're just trying to move the chains. And that's how he jumped it and got the interception. Here's Rasul. Uh, yeah, we just we was going over a play that we thought that they would run if they needed a first down or to get out of bounds and stuff. Coach went over it all week. I know the plays that they like running, um, and I'm going off field, trying to keep them in front of me and keep them in bounds more so because they use all their timeouts. And just going off the field, if I feel like I can go get something, I'm going to try to end it. If not, just play the situation. Mike, I mean, heads up play from him. My question is, you know, Rasul Douglas is all business, all information. Uh, what is it like to interview Jair Alexander after an interception? From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. I'm Charity Seebecker. Happy to be with you this Wednesday. Our world is in the initial phases of deglobalization. We are transitioning into a multipolar world with a competitive landscape of powers. The world of automation and technology are changing the future of productivity and work. But how did we get to this point? Jacob Shapiro, Director of Geopolitical Analysis with Cognitive Investments, identifies key geopolitical forces expected to shape the next five years. But first, he describes what a multipolar world even is. It's basically just the idea that there's going to be rising and falling great powers in the rest of the world, and there's not going to be either one or two dominant powers that call all the shots. So for the last 30 years, we've been in a unipolar world where the United States has called all the shots. For the 50 years before that, we were in a bipolar world, so not a crazy world, although it was kind of crazy, I guess 
but um, you know, the United States and the Soviet Union, these two powers that were waging war against each other. The last truly multipolar era is the 1890s. So you have the Russian Empire and the Chinese empires falling apart. You have Japan and Germany rising, Britain kind of treading water, the United States coming. That's a multipolar world. It's the, this idea that we're moving away from globalization and one size fits all and a Washington consensus more towards regional spheres of influence at the political level, the economic level, even the security level. So with that, what does that mean for the next five years? This new multipolar era in geopolitics, it does offer us opportunities. It offers risks. What are the key impacts that are going to make this or break this? It really depends on who you are and how you're exposed. So if you are a manufacturing company that bet all of your marbles on producing cheap goods in China, you're up the creek without a paddle, as we used to say back home um, in Georgia. But if you are selling a commodity that is in short supply in the rest of the world, and you have this opportunity to move supply chains around and engage in this disruption so that you can position yourself long term for the future, that's also sort of a good thing. We think of the last multipolar era in a negative sense because it ended with World War One and eventually World War II. It ended in catastrophe. But the 1890s and the early 1900s themselves were an incredible time. Trade increased. There was actually more integration between different regional economies. There was incredible technological innovation, incredible cultural effervescence and artistic expression, all these sorts of things. I think we're in that sort of moment right now. It means CapEx. It means taking big risks. It means accepting that the world that was is not going to work anymore. So the old way of doing business, like you're going to have to change that up and you're going to have to think about the future differently. And as human beings, we are programmed not to do that. We like patterns. We like to be set in our ways. You know, I'd like to sit on my couch every Sunday and watch the football game from this time to this. It's true at the national level too, but we're going to have to get rid of that. And if you can get past that, if you can lean into the uncertainty, it's a very small percentage of companies and countries that are willing to do that. The ones that are, are probably going to be the ones that succeed. Can you talk about the three key areas that are going to really have a significant impact on that? We talked about deglobalization affecting trade, global energy transitions, and strength of the U.S. dollar. Can you really dive into each of those three and the impact that they can have on this new future multipolar era that we are moving into? Yeah, so the deglobalization of trade, I always have to put an asterisk on that, right? Because I am talking about deglobalization. I think we are moving away from one global trade network where everybody wants to be in the WTO and everybody has the same rules. But in place of that, we're getting these regional spheres of influence, and that includes economic and trade influence too. So I think you'll see more integration between the United States and Latin America. I think you'll see more integration between China and maybe Southeast Asia and Central Asia. I think Turkey is a rising power in the Mediterranean, and that means things for Southeastern Europe, for the Caucasus, for North Africa, kind of et cetera. So when you get sort of more integration between those things, it's not a catch-22, but it's, yes, we're deglobalizing, but then we're also re-globalizing again within those regional blocks. So that's the first thing. And um, the second thing is the sort of this energy transition and this industrial revolution. And the last time this really happened was the early 1900s. So we're moving away from oil as our primary means of producing energy or moving around. It's not clear what technology is going to win the day. Could be hydrogen, could be nuclear, could be something I haven't even heard of yet, could just be straight old natural gas. Who knows? Like that's all going to kind of be up in the cards. And then at the same time, we've basically maxed out the productivity gains of the last industrial revolution. The digital revolution is here. We now just manufacture iPhones, take better pictures. Like we're not actually changing anything. The real changes are going to come with automation 
and, and smart technology and Internet of Things. And that requires rolling out 5G and building new submarine cables and launching satellites and all that other sort of thing. So that's all embedded within there. And then I threw in the dollar mostly for this particular audience, the dairy producers in particular, but U.S. agricultural exporters in general, because I think we may be in for a sort of pullback in the dollar short term. It looks a little long in the tooth to me in the short term, but long term, the dollar for all the wailing and gnashing of teeth out there in the world, the United States is still where you want to be. If the world is volatile and competitive, people still want dollars. They don't want to be paid in yuan. The moment they do, we can start talking about the U.S. losing its reserve currency status. So for better and for worse, I think the dollar is here to stay and we're going to see a strong dollar, especially if the Fed continues hiking the way that it's going to right now. So those are just sort of three aspects of multipolarity. It's applying multipolarity to trade, applying it to energy and technology, applying it even to currencies. But the overall big conclusion there is like multipolarity, it's here, it's coming, it's going to get more and more strong as the years go on. Before it can get strong, there's going to be a shortfall though, as you talked about, potential shortfall from 22 to 2025. Can you touch on what that means and how the agriculture industry can survive that shortfall? Yeah, you're talking about the energy transition right now, which I'm fairly optimistic about lower energy prices towards the end of the decade. But I think for at least the next two and probably more like three years, buckle your seatbelts, it's going to be a very unpleasant ride. Uh, It will be more unpleasant for other parts of the world. Um, The United States is blessed with a lot of energy resources that most of the world would be jealous to have on their own. I do think that's going to put pressure on U.S. energy exporters. I'm not sure how long the White House or the U.S. Congress is going to allow energy exporters to make money if Americans are paying higher prices for energy in general. But if you look past 2024, 2025, just look at the glut of LNG that's probably going to come on the marketplace. Look at continued rollout of renewables like solar and wind. Look at new nuclear capacity coming online in places like China. Also think in terms of, you know, if the Europeans can do some of the things they're talking about with LNG and with hydrogen, maybe they use less coal. That means places like Vietnam, which still use a lot of coal, can get cheaper access to it. So I think in general, we're at this deflationary moment for energy towards the end of the decade. But right now, and for the next couple of years, you could see things continue to tighten. And I think you could see a lot of volatility. The rejoinder to that, though, the thing that would be wrong is if the Fed hikes too fast and we get a true global recession and energy prices nosedive anyway. But that's not exactly a reprieve because that means the economy really sucks. So, um, But I I think what's going to happen is we're going to tread water here. Certain countries are going to do worse with higher energy prices. I think the United States is sitting relatively pretty. But once you get past that 2026, 2027 horizon, sitting where we are today, I would expect lower energy prices. These developments in this new era really will have major implications for U.S. agriculture producers alike. Why is it important and crucial for them to understand successful strategies and being able to implement them onto their businesses to take advantage of this potential disruption that's going to change in the horizon coming forward? I mean, it's a self-serving argument because I'm going to say that you need geopolitical analysis, right? So let me just get that out of the way. For the last hundred years, U.S. farmers have steadily increased their yields and their productivity. And the way that the U.S. government has basically helped farmers deal with them being so good at their jobs because they're producing more um, uh, and they're getting paid less for it is exported abroad. So if you go look after World War I, the United States was trying to export to every country in Europe and say, no, Europe is starving. The United States needs to come to the rescue. If you look at right after World War II in the context of the Cold War, the United States was trying to identify countries that it wanted on its side in the Cold War and was trying to increase agricultural exports to those countries to create dependencies on the U.S. and also to compensate U.S. farmers for the things that they're doing. If I'm right about the deglobalization thesis, and I could be wrong, there are other scenarios, but if I'm right about the deglobalization thesis and I'm right about the dollar thesis as well, in some ways the best export market for U.S. agricultural goods might be the U.S. first and foremost. That might be where GDP per capita and consumption is going up the most. And then maybe around the margins, you can find countries that maybe we ignored 
in a globalized world because we focus too much on China and use those opportunities there to build relationships there. And then if you have any extra, like fine, go make some money in China and have some bonus. Whether it's dairy or grains, I always say I, China's easy. Like I get it. Like it's a sexy market. It's huge. You can make a lot of money on it. If you want to hedge your risks, it should be bonus. You should really have a thriving business in general in other places. And I mean, Dan Bossy, this is one of the reasons I like Dan so much and why our insights dovetail. I mean, he was talking about peak U.S. farmland and yields actually declining in the United States. That should mean that, you know, for the first time in a while, maybe local is the way to think for the U.S. farmer. Maybe you're actually going to make more. And that's a complete and total 180 on how we've been doing agriculture in this country for over 100 years. But that's my message. Do things differently. We haven't been in this kind of world for 100 years. You're going to have to be brave enough to be alone and say, hey, I'm going to have to make the shift or I'm going to be stuck. That was Jacob Shapiro, Director of Geopolitical Analysis with Cognitive Investments. You can learn more by going to cognitive.investments.com. Be sure to stick around as I've got more agribusiness news coming your way. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. When a company only does business in Wisconsin, that's Wisconsin Strong. Rural Mutual provides all lines of insurance, including commercial, farm, home, and auto. And your premiums stay right here to keep Wisconsin strong. Local agents, local underwriters, local claims adjusters. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Rhodes Warm and Serve Rolls are exactly what your meal has been missing. Whether you prefer a soft white roll, an artisan French style roll, or the tang of sourdough, Rhodes has the roll for you. We mix, knead, and bake them in Columbus, Wisconsin. Then freeze them to keep them fresh and send them off to your favorite grocery store. All you have to do is heat the rolls up and serve them with a smile. Find Rhodes Rolls in the freezer section today. Welcome back. I'm Charity Seebecker. The Dairy Signal from professional dairy producers will wrap up 2020 with important topics for the people, animals, and crops on today's dairy farms. Today's session will cover how milk production and other factors are impacted by heifer maturity, often described as the Peter Pan problem, which refers to the cartoon character who fully matured. To offer insights on how to ensure heifers Enter the milking string at the right time. This episode will take a look at whether heifers are given enough time to mature and if they should be fed more aggressively in early years. On Thursday, you can learn about a nitrogen use efficiency trial in corn silage production that was completed during the 2022 growing season. You can hear the results and insights for the 23 silage production. These episodes air live from 12 to 1 p.m. each Wednesday and Thursday. Live sessions offer attendees the opportunity to engage in open question and answers with the speakers. Recorded sessions are available also shortly after the episodes are aired. Now let's take a look at our Chicago markets on this December 28th. Cash corn is trading at 674 and a quarter, down a half of a cent. December 2023 new crop corn is trading at 605 and three quarters, down one and a quarter cents. Cash soybeans are trading at fourteen ninety five and a quarter. That's up thirteen cents. November twenty twenty three new crop beans are trading at fourteen oh six and a half. That's up twelve cents. March twenty twenty three cash wheat is trading at seven seventy four and a half. That's with a no change currently. July twenty twenty three new crop wheat is trading at seven eighty four and a half. That's up a half of a cent. On the dairy side of things for today, January Class 3 milk contract is trading at 1970 100 weight, 
That's down 13 cents. And February milk is trading at 1880, a hundredweight, and that is up one cent. Barrel cheese closed yesterday at 185 and a half. That's up six cents. 40 pound block cheese closed yesterday at 215 and a half. That's up three and a quarter cents. And the double A butter closed up yesterday at 238, down one and a half cents. Be sure to download our farm app so you can stream our podcasts wherever you are, whether you're out in the field, driving down the interstate, or sitting at home relaxing. Whatever it may be, you can go to thefarmwi.com to find it. That'll help you stay up update on our podcasts, markets, and other agribusiness news. You can also subscribe to our newsletter at midwestfarmreport.com where you will receive Five stories every day of fresh content coming your way to stay updated on all things agriculture. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Not only is William Thomas Custom Jewelry known for creating unique pieces, they're unique in their approach. They actually encourage you to shop around at other jewelry stores first. You'll quickly realize that William Thomas is no doubt your forever jewelry resource. Experience William Thomas Custom Jewelry. They'll help you create a -a one-of-a-kind piece that you'll be proud to wear from day one. William Thomas Custom Jewelry. Your inspiration, your custom jeweler. As a dairy farmer, you depend on your milk receiver pump. McFinn Technologies of Kenosha introduces the impressive Bowpeller pump. It's quieter, there's lower maintenance, as the seals last much longer than your old milk receiver pump. It offers a more powerful cleaning cycle with higher velocities, and it doesn't degrade the quality of your milk. Ask your dealer for the Bowpeller milk receiver pump, patented by McFinn Technologies, an American company committed to providing a better product for the dairy industry. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. It sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal, but taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, poor decision making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. From farm to fork and everything in between, we cover it all. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. It's a Wednesday. That means it's time for us to catch up with our friends from the Steffes Group. That's S-T-E-F-F-E-S group.com, and that is a website you are going to want to make sure that you bookmark and come back to regularly. Ashley Hewins along with us on a Wednesday. First of all, happy holidays, my friend. Uh, thank you for taking time to talk to us. I know that this is an extremely hectic time of the year, but one thing I did want to really focus in on is the comfort and convenience of doing a little auction shopping thanks to you guys' website. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of funny how things work out. And as soon as it starts snowing or we get an ice storm and all that, and different areas around the upper Midwest here have had some weather that's not very good for driving. But, you know, with the online bidding, you don't have to. You just sit in your easy chair where it's nice and warm. Uh, look at each piece where we put anywhere from 50 to 100 pictures of it. Uh, the phone number of the owner is on there. Give them a call and you can pretty much know everything you need to know without even going and looking at it. I was going to ask you, you know, Ashley's making special time for us, even though they've got just a, a absolutely full slate of auctions. He's making time to talk with us. What maybe explain for people what you're doing during all those online auctions, Ashley? Is, it, is there a special responsibility that you have to oversee? Yeah. So, you know, my position being in charge of basically the outcome so you know we have our sales guys that uh, go to their phones taking questions from bidders uh we've got a full tech team that uh the phone number is at the top of the website if you're having trouble getting logged on or making an account you can always call them and they'll help you with your computer settings and you know and then we're just taking calls from the buyers asking lots of questions if they can't make it there they want to know everything there is to know about every piece. How many people do you estimate are on staff with the Steffes Group? They always hear your voice, but I think they forget the depth of people you've got on hand. Yeah, you know, there's there's really 130 employees within the Steffes Group, and we're growing every day. We're expanding our footprint, and, you know, and, and when someone calls in, we want them to be able to talk to a person. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, although you're doing a lot of end-of-the-year business and are making your whole team aware that paperwork's got to be done, transactions have to be confirmed, it's probably not a bad time to start engaging if you want to do a sale in 2023, right? Yeah, that's very true. We're, we're in conversations with a lot of people that are wanting to have February-March auctions because, of course, the market's really hot now. I don't see it cooling off too much for first quarter of next year. And so those people are making decisions based on that. Um, but, you know, it, it'll be another year. We'll see what happens. Well, and like you said, it's always better if you give yourself ample time. To your point, the outcome is generally better. Yeah, you know, we talk to people at the kitchen table all the time. And, you know, how, how, how fast can you do an auction? Well, we can do one tomorrow, but we got to tell somebody, you know. And, and we always say the people that plan ahead the farthest always – do the best yes. and when i say the best there's there's time to get all the information on each piece of equipment uh typically you'll have more time to get better pictures all them things and just be prepared right that's what you want you're only probably going to go through one of these once in your lifetime that auction something the Steffies group would like to assist you with ashley hewan along with us again remember that website keeping you warm comfortable and dry and still doing some very good shopping steffesgroup.com s-t-e-f-f-e-s group.com or pick up the phone like you said uh, more than 100 people on staff that want to talk to you 800-726-8609 again 800-726-8609 happy holidays ashley this is the midwest farm report with pam Youngke.